0: For the Rams, but you got to be a little enthusiastic after being there,
1: bro. That that game atmosphere was ridiculous. The energy, the I played with Brock and Anyone was there,
0: and a lot of the, a lot of the uh, SuperBugs fans were there too. But, uh, Buck and- Tampa tones. We are joined by Lee Goon tonight, uh, host of the Pat and Aaron Show of WDAE. Pat Donovan. Donovan. And it sounds like Stunner is fumbling a little bit, going to put him on mute or something until that gets a little cleared. But we're joined by Pat Donovan. It looks like
1: Stunner is hanging out with Cheech and Chong in a car with the windows up or something over there.
0: <laughs> it does look like we got a little. <laughs> nah, no, my my
1: uh, camera's broke.
0: What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Happy to Me Up Tuesday. As we're tuning up for a week 12 showdown in Indianapolis, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are heading to the cold weather, thankfully in a dome though, doesn't affect us all too much since it is in a dome. Tampa Tones here alongside a couple of great gentlemen, a couple great co-hosts of the Buccaneers. We're going to waste no time, pull no punches and bring in those gentlemen here as we speak. You are live either on YouTube at Bucketeers or Facebook at Bucks Life News and you can catch the instant replay at Bucketeers on app, Spotify, Google podcast and so much more. Great day to be alive. We got Thanksgiving in a couple days and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a lot and we're going to get into the podcasting world. Now I'm thankful for these guys starting off with Stunna. Stunna, happy Thanksgiving week, brother. Hope all is well with you, my friend. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy, heading into the holiday.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody has, uh, you know, a list they can go through to give their uh, thanks for and go bucks.
0: Yeah, that's incredible there. Hopefully everybody does have a list of things they are thankful for, that's for sure. j it sounds like you're thankful for cracking something. How we doing over there, brother? Uh, hope all is well and uh, hope all is safe and happy and healthy with you and yours heading into Thanksgiving.
2: No, I agree, man. Happy Thanksgiving coming up. Can't wait for the big dinner, the big feast, football. It's going to be a fun Thursday, man.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a really exciting Thursday. We're going to be coming live with you guys Thursday, actually, at 10.05 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, And we'll be here talking Thursday football, Thanksgiving, Bucks-Colts, obviously. We got four big matchups on Thursday, three in the pros, one in college, We'll be live Thursday, 10.05 a.m. Eastern, to break that all down. And last but not least, Cats, Bolts are coming off their best win of the year, perhaps off the best team in the NHL, the Boston Bruins. So that was an incredible game last night. I'm sure you're on top of the goddamn world, my friend. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving week, and hope all is well with you, Brother Cats.
3: Thank you. Yes, that was absolutely outstanding. There is, you know, I'd, I'd love to tell you that it – means that it's no different when they're playing the Bruins, but it is. There's an extra little bit of uh, juice in the house when the bolts Bru- play the Bruins, and it actually seems to bring out the best in them, and sending a bunch of Boston fans home to their houses in Tampa unhappy is just one of the sweetest things in the fucking goddamn world amen <laughs> motherfucker excuse my language
0: i fucking love it man that's what we're here for we're rated r we're superstars we're mowing through and we got the godfather in the house speaking of superstars what's good man what up godfather how the hell you doing hope all is well with you my man and uh happy thanksgiving week and uh you know happy uh healthy thanksgiving week to you and the family godfather but cat's gonna agree more And, uh, you know, you get a lot of Bostoners in the Tampa area, like you said, not go home to Boston, but go home to their houses in Tampa. You know, the likes of J.C. Allen from Sports Illustrated and so forth, going home to their house, uh, sad puppies after Boston last night. But, no, that's funny. J.C. Allen called in uh, his weekly spot on the Pat and Aaron show this morning, and they're like, why are you late? He's like, man, there was Monday Night Football on. Bruins Lightning. on, not that I like the outcome, of that, yada, yada, yada. But speaking of outcomes we didn't like, Sunday was one of those, although I did think we saw some encouraging signs out there this past Sunday. Uh, went up to one of our toughest battles. Yet. In my opinion, it was probably our toughest matchup of the year to date since we got the Eagles and Lions at home. Uh, we had to travel across the country to San Fran. We had to change not one time zone, not two time zones, but three time zones. As we went through Central Mountain, finally ended up on Pacific time and a date with San Fran that didn't end quote unquote well. There were some positives to take away. I could say that for sure, Um, but not a W to take away. We lost by 13. The Bucks had ample amount of opportunities to make it less than 13 at the end of the game. They couldn't do that. Baker Mayfield missed a couple of key throws through the game, had a fumble through the course of the game. So, um, you know, really thought the Bucks played better than expected, but defensive backs had a couple more mishaps this game. Baker had a couple more mishaps, leading to a 13-point loss. JLo, we'll start with you here. What's encouraging from Sunday's loss? Uh, what's discouraging from Sunday's loss? And uh, what is the current state of the Bucks in your opinion, heading into this week's Sunday? Not much has changed for me. Um, although I had us winning against San Fran, I never pick us to lose. But You know, that was an uphill battle. We kind of expected the outcome, and uh, here we are sitting at 4-6, and a full game back of the division, and a a game-and-a-half back of the 7th seed. I mean,
2: overall, I mean, I think the offense showed pretty good, you know, motivation going the next few games. They drove the ball down the field a few times, and they couldn't score the last two you know, shout-out to Devin Tompkins the first time getting us in there, giving us a chance to score. I feel like the Zebras kind of screwed us over with Mike Evans with the pass the interference they missed out on. It's what it is. Our defense is beat up. You know, we lost like three defensive play here, maybe even four, you know, depending on this coming Sunday. But I feel like they showed a lot of promise. They fought back best they could. You know, even though know, they let Brock Purdy dominate, have the best QB rating since Joe Montana, is what it is. But overall, I mean, I think they performed a lot better than they did last year. And I think they show a lot of fight left in them coming the next few games. I mean, the next three to four games are crucial to feel they are winnable. So, to me, with the offense performing, I think the offense will be the one to step up and get us the wins. And what's nice
0: is every game left on the schedule is very winnable. We don't really have a tough game yet. I know some people are crying about Jaguars, but let's be honest, they're not a juggernaut. They're not one of the best in the NFL. And we face them at home at the same time. So I think the Bucks have seven winnable games left on the schedule. We'll probably have to go. At this point, five and 5-2 to get into the playoffs, I would say, in those seven games. are probably going to have to have an uphill battle, get to five wins. I don't think eight wins gets us in the playoffs this year like it did last year. I think the Saints are going to at least get eight wins. I think we're really going to have to aim for that nine mark, and that probably wins us the NFC South. Cats, what say you on that? Nine wins gets us in, and do you think we get there, given the remaining games left on the schedule? Two against Carolina. One against Atlanta, one against New Orleans, Green Bay, Indianapolis, Jacksonville. Really not tough sledding ahead for this Bucks team, but let's be honest, this whole season and all six of these losses, it seems like one thing is the common denominator. The Bucs are beating the Bucks, and that's just, um, you know, self-explanatory and really can't happen three more times on the season.
3: Yeah, I mean, you might get in with, well, eight is, I mean, the Saints, it depends, I think, if you win the head-to-head, and the Saints have some tough, do have some tough opponents, I think, coming. I know they get the Lions, and of course, you got Atlanta in there in the mix as well. They've beat us head-to-head. The Saints haven't, you know, Seattle and Minnesota, as far as the seven seed, Seattle took a surprising loss. Minnesota took a loss. I picked Minnesota to lose. I didn't expect it to really happen. They actually did lose, so... Still though 9 gets you in most likely 8 is pushing it uh, I'm not going to say it's impossible but I'd say it's unlikely um, yeah you but they did beat them in order to win this to, to win a game against a team like the 49ers you're going to need to win the turnover battle the Bucs did not do that um, they did get an opportunity off of the uh, uh, on the punt the long punt return by Tompkins and unfortunately you can't drop a touchdown pass. And, you know, drops that. And if that gets you back in the game, maybe it doesn't guarantee that you're going to come back and actually win the game. Some people were saying, well, if they catch these two passes, they're ahead 28-27. You can't really say that because, you know, how San Francisco plays their offense at that point, if they're up by six, is different than if they're up by 14 and they just kind of go into a shell the way they did. But, again, credit to the Bucs. for battling back. Um, this was not a game like last year where they were never in it. They were very much in this game at the half. It just takes a lot of work, you know. And maybe this is just me, but it felt like it took so much work, man, just to be down 13-7 at the half, just to go down and put together one touchdown drive. It's just so tough against the four, that 49ers team. I mean, they really um, – you know, but again, every game turns really on five to six plays. It's pretty easy to pick out the five to six in this one. I'm mm-hmm. going to belabor them. But, you know, yeah, I mean, they had their chances. They didn't win. But overall, you know, as far as the losses go this year, not not a discouraging one in terms of the loss itself. The injuries are concerning, however.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Cats. I mean, you talked about it on the pod on Saturday's show. Hey, this team is quick. They move quicker than it ever seems, and we've seen just that with this 49ers offense. I mean, it's like a game of whack-a-mole. Who's going to pop up, right? You have Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk. You got Debo Samuel. You got George Kittle. You got Christian McCaffrey. Even if you lock down three of them on a play, all it takes is one busted coverage for the one to do big damage. The man that did that last year against us was mainly Kittle. This year it was kind of a couple of guys between Ayuk and Kittle, they really got the best of us, especially on those back-to-back drives. We've seen Jamel Dean go down with injury. Carlton Davis left the game banged up. Levante left the game banged up. Probably a little bit of the part why we let up a lot of big plays to San Fran. But on a couple of those big plays, all those guys were in, and they still got the best of this Bucks defense. Now, the thing of the matter is you are 100% right. Um, even if Kate Otten catches that touchdown, which he should have, shame on him. Even if Devin Tompkins catches that touchdown, which he should have, shame on him. Yeah, technically we're in the game, quote unquote, but you do not know how San Fran plays that game then. They could easily take a couple more deep shots at that point in time and maybe extend the game a little bit more out of reach, right? Because again, at that point in time, Carlton out of the game, Jamel Dean out of the game, Levante David out of the game, probably would have been a little more easier than the rest of the day for Brock Purdy to look and pick apart that defense and find a man downfield. But at the end of the day, the Bucs played a hell of a lot better in San Fran this year than they did last year. And we put up a good fight to at least show that, hey, we're not rolling over. We're not backing down. Did it ever become a one-score game? Maybe not. But in a lot of aspects, it felt like the Bills game, and it felt like this Bucks team just does not quit. One thing that is crazy, and I want to get Stunner's take on this because he was a big advocate of hiring Todd Bowles here back in 2019. I think it was crazy that Todd Bowles, um, you know, I'll give him credit and I'll discredit him for a couple of things. A, I'll give him credit for being in every single game until halftime. I mean, the Bucks have not been blown out in any first half yet. We have not looked sluggish, and, you know, I mean, we've looked sluggish, but we haven't looked sluggish to the point where we were rolling over, giving up on games and that sort of aspect in any single first half yet. But I want to discredit Todd Bowles in saying that he continues to get out coached at halftime. Other coaches make better adjustments than he does. And another thing, we continue to take all of our timeouts into the damn half. I'm just not sure what it will take for him. You've seen it in the game last night. These teams, Kansas City and Philadelphia, two of the best teams in the NFL, they're using every single damn timeout until the clock hits zero. They're, they don't care if there's 19 seconds left on the clock. They don't care if there's 25 seconds left on the clock. They're trying to score whether it's 3, 6, or 7, and that's how you play to win in the NFL. It seems like Todd Bowles plays to lose more so and really – It seems like some of those decisions ends up hindering this team in the long run. As Olivia says, you'll get there for sure, referencing the playoffs. Hey, look, when you look at the schedule, we should win every single one of these games. Again, maybe outside the Jaguars game. But when you look at the Colts, are they scary? No, they don't scare us. We match up very, very well against the Colts. Jonathan Taylor, we'll shut him down. Their pass weapons aren't that scary. But what will happen is Todd Bowles being Todd Bowles, the Bucks being the Bucs will leave the Colts in this game and really a game we should win. And that's gonna continue to happen through the year. Could the Bucks overcome bad coaching decisions and could the Bucks overcome self inflicted wounds? And could the Bucs overcome refs picking up penalties, those sort of things to win games down the stretch? If we play our game, we should easily beat the Colts by 10. If we play our game against the Packers, easily win by 10. If we play our game against the Panthers twice, those should both be blowouts and so forth. It's just if the Bucks play our game and if we don't get killed in coaching. Stunna, what say you and all that?
1: Um, I think the clock management is overblown, and I think that we don't have the talent that um, – is going to be successful. I think that uh, we strive to be mid. I look at us to go seven and ten, another ten-digit, double-digit loss season, a return to the the uh, creamsicle days where we put all them double-digit losses together.
0: Um, but you, know, that, you piggyback Sunday, that with coaching, that, right? You piggyback that with coaching, right? Because I know you say talent, but I look around the field and I see. A lot of the same fellas that won the Super Bowl for us. I see a lot of Pro Bowl talent out there. I see Mike Evans. I see Chris Godwin. I see an emerging KDOT, and I see an emerging Rashad White in the passing game. I look on defense, I see Vita Vea, and I see two paid cornerbacks, two seemingly well overpaid corners at this point, in Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, but nonetheless, the talent seems to be there. It just seems like we're not prepared and or get outmatched in the coaching column, and really... To me, that's where the talent lacks at this point is coaching.
1: Okay. So uh, I don't see it that way. Um, We won the Super Bowl with Antonio Brown, uh, Gronk, and Brady. And this team, what the 49ers did, they took away Evans and Godwin, two Hall of Fame receivers, and made us go to the other players. Uh, 83 had a drop. 10 had a couple drops. 88 had some drops. One does all right. I, I'm actually impressed with uh, Rashad White. And he does an all right job running the ball. If we were better in the interior offensive line, maybe we could run the ball better. Um, defense, we couldn't stop toss sweep. They did whatever they wanted. They got, they went up and down the field in chunks of yards. All right, we're not defending every blade of grass like uh, what Bruce Ayers used to talk talk about. I didn't see that. I think the best thing that Todd Bowles has done, the best thing he's done coaching wise is recognize that our offense last year sucked. It went out and got a decent offensive coordinator and our offense is actually playing above their town level and they're not doing a bad job. And they actually went blow to blow with the 49ers, but our defense laid down, looked like trash. I don't think we made too many stops. Um, and I don't see us winning too many more games where we try to be mid. We're barely a mid-team, and that's the way I see it. Unfortunately, the rest of the season, of course, I will be uh, wearing my orange and showing to myself every game and being the, the Rowdy Buck fan I am. I It's uh, the, the Colts. We might beat them because of their quarterback situation. But so them other games, uh, some other team, like the Falcons already beat us, and we're going there, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of worried, honestly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know, you got some points there, but let's not act like the Falcons beat us. We beat us that game. We um had a terrible game. We didn't sh- we didn't score. Tony, up. Tony, they dominated us. We were in the game they because not, they had some problems inside the team. We dominated ourselves, sadly. I was at that game and it was pretty clear that we hindered ourselves. Um, you know, they didn't really make plays on us. It was Devin White blowing coverage. That's where they had a couple of their big plays down the field. You know, it, we it was Bucks beating Bucks, and that's really been the case this year. And uh, I I think you have a good point. And um, you know, a lot of these games moving forward, the Bucks will continue to beat the Bucks. Sadly, and J-Lo, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think Atlanta beat us necessarily. I mean. This is the same Atlanta team that got killed by the Titans, and we dismantled the Titans. So I don't think it's necessarily that Atlanta handled us as much as we shot ourselves in the face. Titans just got game. blown up
1: by Jacksonville. They suck.
0: Jay, though?
2: No, what I was saying was um, at the end of the day, I feel like Bulls not playing the right players. I need to be out there on defense. No by the JTS, he's a great athlete, but he's not a football player. To me, Yaya's been out there, going out, balling out, doing what he needs to do. And Atlanta, we'll see. Then will be will be the starting quarterback. They made that announcement. He's starting going forward. You know, they came down here. They made a point. Do I think that they're going to beat us again? No. I feel like if balls weights up and start waiting on injuries to start the right play that belong on the field, we got a good shot at Atlanta. Atlanta came down here, and guess what? They made mistakes, just like we do. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, on how Atlanta, you know, will go in. We go to Atlanta, but at the end of the day, this team will, I think, improve. Do I feel we're gonna beat the Colts? I feel we'll keep it close. We're not gonna get blown out because they're not unstoppable. We're going against Uncle Rico, you know, to Minshew at quarterback. We'll see. It'll be fun. I'm I'm more confident in the offense going in this weekend than I do with the defense. I feel the offense will give us the best chance to win the game on Sunday.
0: Let me ask you this, Cats lo We'll start with you, then we'll get Cats' opinion. Stuna thinks we're getting dominated out here. I just don't see it. I see a Houston game that the Bucks beat the Bucks, where we let up a lot of big plays. And, you know, it was really on our defensive backs playing bad and our coaching being bad. I look at a game against Atlanta where we had ample amount. Atlanta kept us alive in that game. They literally gave us a silver platter and said, here you go. Here's a W. Please take the W, and the Bucks did not take the W. We had a ton of chances. We could have scored at the end. We settled for three. We could have held them to no three, went into overtime as J.C. Allen from Sports Illustrated checks in. J.Lo, I've been seeing in these losses outside of Detroit and Philadelphia and a little bit of the San Fran game, but every other loss – I've seen the Bucs mainly beating the Bucks, especially even including against Buffalo. It's not like Buffalo really dominated us either. What say you, j Do you agree with me more so that it's us beating us, or do you agree with Stunner that we're out here getting dominated?
2: No, I agree. Bucs being Bucks. At the end of the day, you know, we get the talent to go in there and win a lot of football games, but there's just some complications on the personnel where Todd Bowles needs to fit or he's going to be gone. Simple as that. At the end of the day, we have the talent to go out there and win these winnable games. Atlanta, yeah, whatever. You can say, yeah, they dominate us, whatever. At the end of the day, we create turnovers, which Todd Bowles counts on. And I feel like when we go play Atlanta in Atlanta, that Dave Canales will create a better game plan on offense. I feel like he's improving if you ask me. He's improving. I feel like he's getting the offense going. And for us to have a chance to win the game against the 49ers, because we were 0 for 2 the last couple of drives to score and win the game, it is what it is. Nice with a better team. Do I think Atlanta's better than us? No. I feel like that was an easy gimme game, butts beating butts, And I feel like we got a good shot at least going 9 of 10 wins this season.
0: I agree. And same against the Texans. I think that was Bucs beating Bucks as well. Cats, what say you? Do you think the Bucks have been beating the Bucks? I know losses against Detroit and Eagles. Yeah, those might have been a little bit of domination on the other opponents behalf. But for games like the Falcons and Texans and even sprinkling a little bit of the Niners and Bills games, I feel like it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And I feel like if we didn't make a lot of boneheaded decisions and mistakes, we would have been right up in that game. I think we would have been right up in all of those games. And quite frankly, as long as the Bucs don't beat the Bucks this Sunday, even if we do have a handful of injuries, I think we should win the game. I don't think we're going to get dominated again. We match up really well with a lot of these teams remaining on our schedule, too. Colts are a run-heavy team. We love playing the run. Packers run-heavy team. We love playing the run. Panthers, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, Frank Reich's clueless out there. Atlanta, run-heavy team. We love playing the run. Saints, they're a little more pass-first, you know, with Kamara out of their backfield. And Jacksonville, they're a little more pass-first with Trevor Lawrence and co. But to me, five, four to five of the games on the schedule surround run-heavy teams. That bodes well for the Bucs. And Cats, I think that the Bucs have good chances if they play – in if they play clean, crisp football and that starts with coaching and not beating ourselves and shooting ourselves in the foot.
3: Well, for me, the Atlanta game was the most lifeless performance of the season by the bucks. Um, just when you account for their division opponent, um, I don't think they're a very good team. Um, they've got two pretty lousy quarterbacks in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They have some weapons. They have an average decent head coach. He's actually pretty I actually think he's a good play caller. Um, What's his name? Arthur Smith. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a lifeless performance, and it's a very unfortunate one. The Texans game was back and forth. I mean, and for an objective viewer, someone watching that who's not a fan of the Bucks, it was quite an entertaining football game. And unfortunately, they left forty-six or so seconds too much uh, on the clock, and it was the worst defensive performance maybe in the Todd Bowles in this era. In fact, and you account for who the opponent was. Not to disparage C.J. Stroud; he's a hell of a talent, but. To allow a rookie and any quarterback, let alone a rookie quarterback, to do that to you is embarrassing. For the 49ers game, um, I just think that's just, just a matter of a, a, that is a talent deficiency uh, against the Niners. And that's the thing is, that's not, not just the Bucks though. I mean, the 49ers have a talent edge on almost anybody. I mean, I'd say mm-hmm. out of 30 te- two, 32, however many teams, you probably put them in the top three and they might not be number three either. Uh, we'll find that out later as the season goes on. But this was a, not a bad performance by the Bucs when you count for that. Um, again, you know, you had, you didn't, but you needed to play almost the perfect game and you lost the turnover battle two to nothing. So that, you know, one of those took, both of those actually were, you were in a position to get points as well. One of them was in the red area and one of them was inside the 40, which probably takes three points off the board. So you can't do that um, against a great football team. You might get away with it against some. Something, speaking of coaching, um, the time management, I didn't really mind. At the end of the first half, there wasn't much time left. You feel pretty good going in 13-7. I mean, the only thing you might want to do if you want to try to run a draw play, see if it pops for like 15 to 20 yards, and then you say, all right, let's try to hurry up. I didn't really have an issue with taking a knee there. But I will say this. Joe Davis and Daryl Johnson pointed out that the Bucks have the best percentage of converting fourth downs in the NFL this year, I believe they're now eight for ten, or maybe eight for eleven. What stands out to me, and I don't have the stats in front of me, is I have to wonder. That sounds like a low number of attempts to me,
0: does it not? Mm-hmm. It does. It, so, it seems like a low number.
3: It, it seems low to me. I mean, I know there's some teams that are just, you know, like you know, you got the Lions, you got the, the Eagles, particular Lions particularly, but. That seems like a low number for a team that succeeds in that scenario. It seems like they only that they're more risk averse, as you know, I've always thought Todd Bowles was that type of coach. Um, to go for it on we've seen this happen a few times this year where there were scenarios where you like the Buffalo game at the end of the first half, which is one of the worst, one of the worst. <laughs> game management situations I can remember seeing where rather than going for it on fourth down or even kicking a field goal, they punted. Um, So yeah, for me, for a team that's been successful on fourth down, for whatever reason they've been successful on it, they don't don't go for it enough. I, I mean, I think the analytics and the fourth down surrender bot and all that stuff, and someone can look it up if they want, would agree with me that their amount of attempts on fourth down is probably one of the lowest in the league. And that's disappointing to me when you've been successful at doing something, you should try to do it a little more often.
0: Yeah. Cats, I couldn't agree more with you. And then you get, you know, the unevenness with bowls. I don't get it because that first drive against the Falcons, we had about a fourth and six pretty much at midfield. And we went for, and to me, that was one in the whole season where it's like, okay, why are we going for this one? But at the same time, it at least put in my head, Hey, if we're going for this, maybe we're going to go for a lot more, right? Maybe, like, right. you know, first drive of the game, fourth and six, we're going for it here. Like you said, I just feel like 11 attempts isn't enough, and the inconsistencies with bowls, you're you're opening drive, you're going for it on fourth and six, but then against a team like Buffalo, you're not going for it on fourth down or at least a field goal. I think some of those inconsistencies help hinder this team a little bit. And, Katz, I think you made a great point. At the end of the day, if you're successful on fourth down, why don't you try it a little more? You know, what do you got to lose? And you got one of, you know, um, you got a good defense in the red zone as well. So um, even if you're a little backed up and you're going for it on fourth down, well, hey, guess what? At least our red zone D seems to be our strength of defense, if anything.
3: Correct. The fourth and six against Atlanta was a weird one. That was one where I would not have gone for it. Right. Um, Just where... Or on the field, they were kind of in no man's land. You, you know, you got a good punter. You want to try to pin them deep there. That was weird. Um, and also it also, was actually for for um, Chase McLaughlin. That's, what, 59, 60 yards. I think he would have the leg to, to make that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose a little position if you miss it, but not that much. Um, so, I don't know. They kind of get caught in between there. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of their fourth down attempts come in these situations where they're behind by two scores. Um, and they just don't do it a lot. And when you see in this modern league, the way the league is run now in a league that's, you know, um, you know, off driven by offense in so many ways between the roughing the passer calls and what defensive mm-hmm. backs can and can't do. You can't hit the quarterback here. You can't hit him there in a league that's ruled by offense. You just don't. You, most teams are a lot more more on the aggressive side when it comes to going forward on fourth down, it seems than Then the Bucs are. And again, I could be wrong, though. I mean, I might just be talking out my ass here. and Maybe the Bucks are right there in the middle of the pack in that. I don't know. But it just seems like they are, uh, you know, four of those attempts, I think, were in this last game. So that means going into the game, they had, what, single-digit attempts on fourth down? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems low to me. Um, and it's not like you don't have some weapons that – I know you can't run the ball. They're not good at running the ball in a short short yardage situation, but they've got the ability to convert these. So. Just the weird, something that stood out to me listening on the broadcast, because I had no idea going in that we were had the highest percentage on fourth down. I would never have guessed that, um, but I would have guessed, and I'm not surprised that they had such a low number of attempts in at doing it.
0: Right, and Katz, you make a great point, and you figure with losses like the Detroit loss and the Philly loss and then even San Fran and Buffalo where, yeah, we were kind of in it, but they were a little bit bigger losses, you would assume we would have a lot more fourth down attempts being down in those games, you know, needing to go for the ball. But maybe that's why the score is not closer as well. Maybe we keep punting. I don't know. I think Todd. Yeah,
3: well, we did. And, uh, well, we punted on a fourth and two when we were down by 14 points against the Lions right around midfield area, which in the fourth quarter, which made no sense whatsoever. Especially, I mean, teams will say they don't think this way, and maybe they don't. But when I'm in a game and I'm a heavy underdog especially (laughs) – um, I'm more likely to, I'm thinking, you know, the Buffalo game more, it fit more. Um, there might not have been as many opportunities in this last one or the, the Philly game, but I'd be even more, uh, aggressive against, you know, and they, you're already a heavy underdog. Anyway, you got to really pull out more of the stops, uh, to try to win the game. So that's just my opinion. I'm going to go look this up probably tomorrow at work or some point and see, you know, get them and see where, where are the bucks in the fourth down rankings? How often do they go for it? In comparison to the rest of the NFL, because I, I got it now, it's going to bug me. I'm going to be thinking about it for a while.
0: Yeah, we're going to get on that, and we have a pod Thursday. So, whether you join us or not, cats will be sure to share that with us. And we're going to go over it on the Thursday show as well and see what we uncover about the Bucks fourth down and see where they stand around the league. And um, speaking around the league, there were a couple transactions around the league today, and one of them had to do with. Our opponent this coming Sunday, the Indianapolis Colts, is they released former all-pro linebacker Shaq, a.k.a. Darius Leonard. He is on waivers. And then the Rams released running back Daryl Henderson, who had a couple of okay filling games. He's on waivers now as well. Stunna, we'll start with you here. Um, if, if you could pick one of these guys or none of these guys to try and add to the Bucks. Would you do it? Would you add linebacker Shaq Leonard? Would you add running back Terrell Henderson or would you add neither and let the lay of the land be with our roster? What say you, Stuna, will start with you?
1: I'd like to bring a running back in. I think that we should have uh, made a better effort at that before the trade deadline. I think that uh, Richard's doing a good job, but he needs some help.
0: Yeah, because Chase Edmonds, he's really good in pass protection, right? Like he could pass block really well. But other than that, he really hasn't done all too much. I will say the past couple of games he's shown a play here and he's shown a play there. But at the end of the day, he's more of a running back three. And uh Keyshawn Vaughn and Sean Tucker are more of practice squad running backs in my opinion, at this point in time. As Stunna alluded to, we are kind of missing that backup running back. Edmonds is kind of the third down back. j what say you? Would you look at a Henderson? Would you look at a Leonard, Shaq Leonard, Darrell Henderson? Or are you not trying to bring either of these guys into the building?
2: I'll take you one. If I had to pick one, I'd say Shaq Leonard because Levante of the strain groin, he could be out for almost a month depending on his injury. So, I wouldn't mind a Shaq Leonard to fill in, maybe even take over Devin White's spot, you know, depending on how he does. But I wouldn't say no to Dale Henderson either to be the backup running back behind Rashad White. Because clearly Edmonds is a good blocker. And then Keyshawn is just a roster spot right now that we can just cut loose, in my opinion. I'm done with him.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, Vaughn isn't really showing much out there. He had a couple of nice games after the Super Bowl season filling in um, starting and whatnot as Rudy Lozano is joining us on Facebook as well. But since then, he really hasn't moved the needle too much. And uh, I mean, we could always add to the running back room. I guess the reason why I don't want Shaq Leonard is because I've watched him play a lot this year. And uh, let's just say, you know, if he was performing well, do you really think a team in the playoff race would release him? Do you really think the Indianapolis Colts would release Shaq Leonard if he was helping their defense, if he was playing that well? Um, so I know what you're saying in terms of, you know, the Bucks linebackers being a step behind with Levante out and Devin White not having the best year, but do you really want another guy who's not having the best year? And to me, it's damaged goods at this point in Shaq Leonard. I don't really know if he'd, provide an uptick I don't know if he'd provide a spark and to be quite honest with you a lot of the people complaining about Devin White being slow Devin White doing this or that I could only imagine those same people crying when you have Shaq Leonard out there on the field as well JLo. Um, you know I, I just don't see the Shaq Leonard um, how should I say it um, admiration for this Bucks team at this point in time 19 don't forget that. He had two pits on us Two 2019. I was that was there also, by. sadly, four years ago and two surgeries ago, right? Correct. I mean, he, don't get awesome. me wrong. He was a hell of a player, one of the best players in defense. I think he was even defensive player of the year one year, or at least a specialist for defensive player of the year one year. But we see this league holds no mercy. We see what surgeries do to you. And let's be honest, ever since his surgery, he pretty much was out the whole year last year. And this year, I mean he, he pretty much got benched for uh, you know, a couple of unnotable linebackers in Indianapolis. And then when he's ready to play, they pretty much say we don't see you anymore. Not saying he wouldn't be a quote unquote good ad, but all the red flags are there to me. There's a reason why he's a free agent. Agreed.
2: No, agreed. I can't I can't argue with that. But same time though. To me, he's an experienced linebacker. Maybe not the same way he used to be four years ago, but would you really want to go into the next two or three weeks because you know Levante's going to be out for a while with that strain quad? That's something that doesn't heal overnight. Would you rather? I'd rather
1: evaluate Servasié.
2: Okay, fair enough. No, no, Stunner, I agree. Uh, so Servasié, let's see what he does, and I'm excited for him. But, however. Hear me out. I'm not saying to start Shaq over Savassi, but if he's a free agent and he has interest to come be a buck, if he does have interest on the right price, bring him on for the first couple two weeks, go Savasi and Devin, and if Devin's not performing, Tom Bowles needs to realize that Devin's just not the guy. So, why not throw in a guy who gets a better chance to win and go with a guy who you are considering your son, you're close to? I feel like. I think Devin White will not be a buck next year. I guarantee it.
0: Cats, what say you? Do you want to look at either of these guys? Are you at JLo where you look at Shaq Leonard? Or are you at Stunna where you look at Darrell Henderson? Or are you kind of saying, hey, I'm okay on both of these guys? There's a reason why both are available.
3: Well, I mean, with Leonard, I didn't realize uh, I thought Levante has a strained groin and he might even be good to go this week or that he wouldn't be out very long. So I, I'm hearing I did not know that he is that for sure now that he's going to be out a month. Is that is that do we know that for certain? I don't Janet- think it's for Janet- certain,
0: but I think a lot of people are assuming he'll be out at least two to three weeks.
3: Well, I'm saying Jenna Lane reported
2: that it was a possible strained groin. He's pretty close with the team. With this rain growing, it takes a little bit longer than two to three weeks, on my opinion.
3: Mm. Well, even so, I don't think Shaq Leonard at this point for starters, if he doesn't you have to wait for him to clear waivers, so otherwise you the team that signs him owes him six and six million dollars, I heard. And the Bucks mm-hmm. are not going to do that. Um, for a guy that another team didn't want. So I would I would pass on him, no disrespect to him because he's had a hell of a career, even if he's not what he used to be. Um, I would I would pass on him. As for Darrell Henderson, I wouldn't mind that um, because, like you said, you, the Bucks kind of have a re- running back one, and then they don't have a running back two. They've got a running back three. Um, so you know, but again, that's something that if they had any intention, I think, on upgrading that position, they would have done it well earlier in the season. So at this point, I would just I just leave it all leave it leave it be at that position because they. You know, you're already more than halfway through. Uh, they obviously just don't feel that there's a need there. So, yeah, I mean, should have already been done if it was going to be done. And they had the chance to do yes. so.
1: Don't you think that running back would be the easiest position to transition into?
3: Yes, I do, and I'd have no issue if they were to sign him. I just have, I just feel like look, thinking front, looking at it from their point of view. To me, they're obviously they've got to be thinking that it's not something that they need to add to, or I think they would have done it already unless unless over the last what what has it been since the deadline? a month maybe, month, month and a half mm-hmm. since the deadline they said, "Ooh, you know what? We should have added, we should have we needed to upgrade that position. We didn't do it. Now we have an opportunity to bring someone else in and see what they have. Then, yeah, absolutely. And I have no issue with them doing it. Um, you know, I I that would be the guy I'd bring in uh, over the linebacker. I just my gut feeling is they already made up their mind that they're just going to ride it out with what they have. But yeah, that's a much easier one to learn than linebacker. Absolutely, much easier to just to bring a running back in. We saw it recently with um oh gosh, am I mixing up a running back with a quarterback here? I, I thought we saw recently a running back just stepped into a new situation and did quite well, but Remember, we talked about Rashad Penny at one point because he knew Dave Canales' system. The Bucks were not, obviously, were not interested, I don't think. Did they put in a waiver claim for someone else? That, yeah, that we,
0: Someone else? We put in one for Michael Carter from the Jets, who was waived a couple uh, weeks back.
3: Okay. You know what? In that case, then, if, they're, if they were interested and they obviously know that there's a deficiency there, because I think there certainly is um, at that position, I'd be all for bringing in Daryl Henderson. I hope they do it. Um, again, I think you have to worry about who who can jump you in the line if you put a claim in. Correct? You mm-hmm. can get jumped in. So, but I'd hope they would at least if they put one in for Michael Carter. I'd hope they put one in for Henderson as well because I do think it'd be a seamless transition to be you know give you a little juice. Not gonna he's not gonna break you know be a game breaker by any means. But you know when you've got Keyshawn Vaughn who doesn't even see the field anymore and you have Edmonds, who's okay, he does a decent job as a change of pace, you might be able to get someone in there that can give you a little more, give Rashad White a little bit more of a blow. Give Chase Edmonds, you know, use him in a more suitable um, situation as a true third down back, just a change of pace guy. I'd hope they put in a claim for him. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, but that, if between the two, if I were to choose one, that's who I would go with.
0: Yeah, and we have seen veteran running backs change places mid-season. A couple this year, including Henderson himself joining the Rams again, having a little success, and Royce Freeman hopping on with the Rams, having a little bit of success. Uh, veteran running backs seem to be able to jump into the fold a little bit quicker. I guess, Cats, you did make a g- good original point as well by saying, hey, the Bucks had the opportunity to add to the running back room. They didn't. Darrell Henderson was a free agent for a lot of the season himself, and the Bucs didn't pursue him but as Kat said too things might have changed over the past couple of weeks they did put a claim in for Michael Carter maybe now the running back room is evaluated a little bit differently than it once was and maybe they'll think about reevaluating the running back room which is you know hard to play on hard to come by if you're a Bucs fan or running back speaking of hard to play on Bucks could have harder Road troubles in the cold Stadium coming this Sunday as it's in a dome. And, you know, those domes this time of year, you get in this area, it's cold out, it's frisk out, it's brisk out. So those domes pay a good dividend to me. The Bucks playing in Lucas Oil Stadium, playing in a dome in the Midwest in November, to me, that's a benefit for the Bucks. It's not like where you go into Lambo in December and you're going to be freezing your ass off here. We get the advantage of playing in a dome, although on a road. J-Lo, thoughts on playing in domes on the road in the winter? I think this is a best-case scenario for the Bucks being on the road here as it is a dome. They don't have to deal with the cold. And historically, the Bucks really haven't dealt with the cold all too well.
2: I couldn't agree more. I mean, going to the Colts right now with a dome, I couldn't be mad at it. You know, it's going to be fun to watch to see how this defense will play without possibly three of their defensive starters. At the end of the day, I'll take a Dome over an I'll field, field play any day of the week. And this could come at a better time than it did right now, if you ask me.
0: Cats, what say you, the the status of Bucks playing in Domes and uh, us traveling to a Dome midwinter, I mean – it really it should be 30 to 40 out, you know, chilly out, maybe a little rain or snow here. We get the benefit of playing in a dome in November. It could be worse.
3: Yeah. It's especially true for a team that struggles to run the ball and, th- and you know, that's more of a pass first offense. You don't want to have to re- be playing in the elements, especially if there's precipitation when you're a team that struggles to run the ball, because it's a lot harder for, to my opinion, throw the ball in those elements. So, yes, being inside a dome definitely um, can be beneficial to the Bucks, especially in that regard.
0: Great points with running the ball, um, adding difficulties. And uh, Bucks are signing linebacker J.J. Russell to the 53-man roster from the pe- practice squad has been up and down this year. And um, really, he's used to playing in Indianapolis because he played in Indy last preseason. J.J. Russell actually played a good bit of the preseason game in Indy. So there you go. It pretty much sounds like um, that'll do it for Shaq Leonard uh, truthers out there, us signing J.J. Russell to the practice squad. And real quick, before we get Stunna's opinion on the Dome, we have a little bit more of Bucks news as the Bucks have waived tight end David Wells, who has been inactive in recent weeks but caught his first two NFL passes this season. He'll be back on the practice squad if he um, makes it through waivers. So we'll get to those waived guys and signed guys here in a minute. But Stunner of thoughts on playing in a dome this Sunday. Um, I think it bodes well.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it's ideal conditions. But it's how you're going to play. Um, one thing about the glaciers, we have that indoor practice facility, so the the, the Buccaneers can simulate playing in a dome very easily. So that'll be an easy, seamless transition, where they could not simulate playing in in the uh, snow and in the, the frosty elements uh, very easily. Um, however, so you know, I, I who is a quarterback at Indy? That's the the main question I have, and. And 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 what kind of offensive threats do they have?
0: The uh, Menchu.
1: Well, I then uh, I think we could be in trouble because last time we played them, they actually came up, got up on us, and uh, it was because the quarterback play is what cost them.
0: Speaking and of so, get, yeah, I ahead. think I think you're right though, Stunner. Speaking of getting up on us, they were um, up on us, and you know. Minshew, I want to get your thoughts on Minshew quick here, Stunna, before we get to the waiver wire and practice squad moves with the Bucs. Real quick thoughts on Minshew, Stunna, and uh, if, as J-Lo calls him, Uncle Rico could lead the Colts <laughs> to victory against their Bucs. Uh,
1: I think Minshew is uh, hes comparable to, um, uh, you know, Garcia, that we had years ago, maybe Jeff not Garcia. As, yeah, he's kind of a Jeff Garcia type. Uh, you know, he's he 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 can get off schedule. He can make plays. You know that um, with his feet as well as his arm. Uh, you know, he's he just doesn't have the uh, the arm talent as some of the other players. But um, he's formidable and he can manage a game. And if they can run the ball, like I don't know, tall sweep or something that we were getting burnt on last week. Um, you know, we could be in trouble, but I like our offense. And I think, you know, if you look at the Texans game, our offense said, screw it, we're gonna turn this into a shootout. And um if our offense don't show up, we definitely lose the games we lost this year. We haven't really won a game with defense. The closest example would be the Minnesota game because we had those turnovers to keep Minnesota from scoring a bunch on us early to let our, our offense got our, their feet under them a little bit. But, um, you know, I really haven't studied uh, Indianapolis, but I like uh, what our offense is doing. I like Canales. As, as, uh, he, he, he's doing a better job this year than what we had last year with better talent last year, uh, now, now mind you. And so uh, I like our chances, but I think down the road, we're going to have to really get better play out of our defense.
0: Yeah, so the Bucks made a plethora of moves there. Thank you, Senna, for your Minshew insight there. But obviously, we talked about elevating J.J. Russell, releasing David Wells, and they released two other cats off their practice squad as well. Cornerback um, Don Gardner, he was up a couple of times this year. He was hurt a couple of times this season, so the Bucks ended up cutting ties with him off of the practice squad. And then they also released safety Jaquan Johnson from the practice squad today. And the Bucs already replaced all those guys um, between Russell getting elevated and the two guys, they released Gardner and the safety Jones. They had three openings. They already replaced all of them. The Bucks signed former Kentucky and Patriots cornerback, Quandre Mosley to their practice squad after a workout today. He spent six weeks on the practice squad last year. And then the Bucs are signing former Sidaddle C- and Patriots receiver Rayleigh Webb to their practice squad. Special teams ace was just with the Dolphins. Two tackles in 12 games as a rookie last season. And then last but not least, this one intrigues me the most. Bucks are also signing former Seahawks linebacker Levi Jones to their practice squad, made his NFL debut against the Bucs in Munich last year. A strong NFL family. Dad was Robert, who won three Super Bowls, and brother is Zay Jones, a current Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver. So, J-Lo, we'll go to you with those moves. Any of those uh, practice squad signees or J.J. Russell call up, David Wells release, Anything, um, anything get you?
2: No, I mean, just more bodies, bodies on the field, you know, more depth. I feel like, obviously, David Wallace played his way out of it when Kate Otten, and then now we're seeing Payne Durham in a tight end, stepping up, making, you know, either blocking or making somewhat catches of plays, who I like a lot. You already knew that, you know. So, at the end of the day, I mean, more depth. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens for sure. Um, you know, practice squad guys might not get into the field much, but who knows? These are some guys with experience. All of them do bring that, and Mosley was a former Buck himself, so you never know if they could get out of the field. Pop strikes in. Bucks have been beating themselves this year when they lose perfect case against Atlanta. That's kind of what JLo and I were saying, too. A lot of the games that were low-hanging fruit, it was Bucks beating the Bucs but speaking of familiarity and all that stuff since the 2019 season the Bucs and Colts are very very familiar with each other for being way opposite divisions and conferences you got an AFC team you got an NFC team but since the NFL expanded to 17 games the Bucs and Colts have encountered each other quite a lot in 2019 the Colts played in Tampa in 2021 the Bucks played in Indianapolis. In 2022, the Bucs played in Indianapolis for preseason. Now in 2023, the Bucks travel to Indianapolis again. So A, in four of the past five football season, the Bucs and Colts have either played a regular preseason game, and B, for the third straight season, the Bucks find themselves on the road against Indianapolis, whether it's preseason or regular season. Cats, I want to get your thoughts and takes on that familiarity with the Colts. I know it's a revolving door year after year Colts and Bucks both have new coaches over that span, but four out of five years, regardless of regular preseason, that's a lot of games against each other cats for being AFC and NFC, um, counterparts.
3: That is surprising. You don't see that very often. Um, uh, but you, you, will, you probably will see it more often now with the expansion of the schedule, the way the schedule is, um, divvied up now with that 17th game. And what's what's really interesting to me, if I'm not mistaken here, is that in these now, this being the third regular season meeting, each team will be starting their third different quarterback because I believe it was Jameis, it was Brady, and now it's Baker for us. And for them, it was Jacoby Brisket. I have to call him that. I've always (laughs) called him that. Um, It was Carson Wentz, and now it's Gardner Mm Minshew. So to me, that's what's funny, is that in how many years is that 19, 20, 23 20, This five years, three different quarterbacks for both teams. Um, of course, we had the goat in there, thankfully. And they've had some guys, basically. Um so that uh that's what's what's really funny to me about it. And the Bucks have won the prior prior two, though, which was both were actually quite entertaining games, as I remember, I believe. I don't think they were the same exact score, but I think they were, we had a 38 to 31 and I think we had a, did we have a 38 to 30? Was it a 35 to 31? I don't remember the, the the score of the one here. That sounds about right in
0: 2019. 38, 35 at the house.
3: Was it 30? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. That's right. I remember why I said that score. I was like, Oh, well, there it is. Um, that, that, dreaded score again. But um, what was crazy about that game, as I remember it, was usually when you turn the ball over, I think we turned it over four times in that game. Usually that's not the recipe to win, but the Bucs managed to win it anyway. Um, And then, of course, the game in Indy was memorable because Leonard Fournette just ran over the Colts in that game, um, including the game-winning touchdown. Um, They were able to get they were able to force Carson Wentz into at least one. If not, I believe they were able to create at least a couple turnovers, most notably um, Antoine Winfield Jr., I recall, basically mossing Michael Pittman Jr. Mm-hmm. on that interception. That was an incredible play. And If you're going to win, as I always say, and especially you know against a decent Colts team, not a great team by any means, but they are coming off a bye. You're going to have to create some turnovers. I think Gardner Minshew has been a little I could be wrong here. I could be because I haven't really watched them much. Has he not thrown his share of picks this
0: year? At least Yeah, he's fumbled or thrown his fair share of picks between the two.
3: Yeah. So what you're gonna need, and this has proven difficult for us, is when he he's gonna give you a couple chances, most likely. And this is totally the adverse the opposite of um when you play Brock Purdy He rarely seems to make any mistakes. But he's gonna give you some chances to pick the ball off. You better catch him. Um, I don't see enough of that from our defensive backs it's been an issue all season i think it's always been an issue I don't know if Carlton or Jamel Dean are going to play but whoever is playing when he gives you those opportunities to pick the ball off and change turn the field around um you know set up your offense potentially um you need to take advantage of that
0: yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Cats. As Bucks Nation says, "What up, you guys?" Lenny ran for four TDs that game. I remember being at that game, man. Lenny running that last long run—it was like do 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 do. The man was a stud, and he was really a huge part of the Bucks back then. And um, even pregame, Lenny was throwing the football into the fans with us. And then I was there in 2019. I was actually at all three. I was at twenty twenty two preseason in Indy, twenty twenty one regular season in Indy. 2019 regular season in Tampa. So I've seen this um, front and center for three out of four years now, and I'll be there again this Sunday. So very interesting. I remember in the 2019 game, um, Ryan Griffin actually got his first NFL pass attempts that game. Jameis left the game a little bit injured. I remember Chris Godwin tore his ligament that game as well, and Brashad Perriman really came in. Or was that Mike Evans?
2: Mike Evans
0: pulled his hammy. He was done for the year. That was Mike um, pulling his hammy in that one. And then Perriman came in and really um, stepped up that game. He played a huge game. And Darius Leonard had a pick six that game. So that game was crazy within itself. But New Year, um, very interested to see how this one unfolds. Know, what say you on Bucks and Colts getting familiarity with each other over the past four to five seasons?
1: I mean, I love it, but um, you got to play each and every week, and it comes down to the matchups. It's going to come down to our offensive line versus our defensive line, etc. But, uh, you know, I'm excited yeah, I... for the matchup. Go ahead. Keep going, Stun.
0: No, keep going, brother.
1: I'm just saying, I'm excited for the matchup. I really don't have any amnest against most AFC teams, I'd say maybe New England or Pittsburgh. You know, where most of the NFC teams I really hate, like the Detroit or San Francisco so, or Philadelphia. Losing to those type of teams is really like it puts your crawl in it, where, you know, you go play in Annapolis and let's just have a great game and stay injury-free type of attitude. So, uh, you know, I'm encouraged. I want my guys to show out this weekend and show what they got. And I need to see a lot better play by our defense, honestly.
0: Couldn't agree more. And we got someone shouting out JLo. Hayden, thanks for joining us, Jaden. Hayden says, What up, JLo? And he also says, just bought a retro. Mitchell and Ness, Derek Brooks for 60. What a find. That is a steal. Um, and then he also says we need more pressure on QBs, or defense doesn't work without pressure. J Lo, thoughts on both the jersey and the pressure statement. We did get four sacks on Brock Purdy, but It seemed like when we didn't get those four sacks, he did have all day to throw and really dice us up. First
2: of all, shout out to Hayden. He's a real Butts fan from Kentucky. I met him a few years ago. Good man, knows his football. Shout out to you, Hayden. Thank you. And second of all, um, pressure on the quarterback. Obviously, the right guy was not JTS. It was Jadiyabi. You know, as far as getting pressure on the quarterback, you know, Brock Purdy, he showed out, made his points, whatever. But at the end of the day, what makes you think that we can't do the same thing? Yeah, they got Trent Williams, but we got Tristan Wirtz. And Luke Gadecki's been playing pretty damn good ball, right tackle, if you ask me. I'll tell you that right now. And... Bold, Unfortunately, he'll wait till a player gets injured before he plays the right guy that belongs on the field. You can look at that for Nick Everett, Nick Leverett for Lookadecki at left guard. I know Ben's being there. He's a the right tackle, obviously, and that's something that Bold needs to work on personnel-wise. If you ask me, I feel like these next three to four games should be winnable. The Niners are a good team, but to me, the best team in the NFL right now is the Philadelphia Eagles, if you ask me, as far as personnel, the team, as far as that goes. And I feel like at the end of the day, if Bulls just waits out and plays the right players in, it might win some more games, if you ask me.
0: I agree with that as Bucks Nation tries to help out the cheap jersey fine by saying Bucks jerseys are now $97 on Fanatics. Good deal for Black Friday. Yeah, I've seen a handful of their jerseys go cheap. One weird thing with Fanatics, it seems like here and there they always give crazy discounts, and then sometimes, you know, it's one hundred twenty-nine ninety-nine to buy a jersey, but I could have sworn in the past couple of months they've been 97 here and there. Even lower some players. um. You know, Kyle Trask at one point, I got his creamsicle for $49 a couple weeks back. And I know people saying, no, oh, Kyle Trask, but a creamsicle of a Bucks player, man, for 50 bucks, you can't beat that. So thanks for the shout out there, Bucks Nation. For anyone looking at Black Friday stuff, go to Fanatics. It seems like they got some good prices on stuff there. And then he asked, did you guys do a score prediction for Sunday's game? We'll share our score predictions on Thursday's show Again, we're doing a Thanksgiving special Thursday morning. Come join us. Come hang out with us Thursday morning, same place, different time. We'll be here 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday morning, which is going to be incredible. We have Lions Packers to go over. We got 49ers Seahawks. We got Redskins Cowboys. We got the Egg Bowl in college football, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. And then, of course, Bucks, Colts score predictions player of the game predictions Ole Miss so much more yeah Ole Miss should be ready to rock and roll on Thursday I can't wait for Thanksgiving real quick we're gonna do a Thanksgiving one big thing and walk off here before we get to our final word and um go over our upcoming podcast schedule one more time Stunna one big thing and walk off for Thanksgiving what are you looking forward to most about Thursday, brother? Is it the food? Is it the football? The family? What what is it?
1: You know, uh, Thanksgiving is all about family. And you just want to spend a little time with yours, or if you can't be with them, call them on the phone. Let them know you're thankful. Uh, because at the end of the day, family should be the most loyal people to you. And loyalty is definitely an issue in a, and it's a lost virtue in America, unfortunately. Uh, my walk-off, we, we got a great GM. We got to keep drafting better. And some of these guys we drafted might not be panning out, and it might be time to move on, like a Kyle Trask, JTS, etc. cetera. But, well, we got to believe in the process. And I think Bowles would have done a better job if he had better talent, honestly. He he made the right coaching decisions and, and, and updating his staff. And uh, I think if he ends up with a winning record, he needs to be uh, – you know, kept, but if, of course, I predict 7-10 and, 10 and, and uh, if we end up with a losing record, that, that kind of means we underperformed, uh, especially when we're a defense. You know, we're set up for buck ball. and We're getting blown out on defense. So something's got to change. But I believe in the process and I definitely believe in our owners. Anybody that grew up with Culver House knows that our ownership is definitely one of the best that, that I've seen in, in Buck history. And I'm encouraged about the future. Go Bucks! fire the cannons.
0: J-Lo, thoughts on that, Stunner. I couldn't have said it much better, but Quick Bucks Nation says, not sure which one's Tampa Tones. That's me here, brother. But shout out to his tweet, which got me on the live. Hey, I appreciate that. And uh, uh, we welcome any and all members to chat with us and uh, have a good time on the pod. So appreciate you joining in, chatting with us. And uh, do it more often, brother. Don't be a stranger. Come on and hang out with us on the Bucketeers. We love hanging with Bucks fans, non Bucks fans, and all sorts of individuals. Thank you for joining, man. means a lot. Uh, JLo, one big thing in Walk Off heading into Thanksgiving, brother. And uh, just the status of the Bucks.
2: No, I'm loving the love that we received tonight. You know, Bucks Nation times 21. Keep tuning in, man. These are real Bucks fans. We love the Bucks. We'll welcome any other visitor opponents, whatever. At the end of the day, what about Tim Bay, baby? And like I said, we went through the hardest team with the Niners, Eagles, and Lions. Now we're on to winnable games where we'll see a lot of production. To me, more of the offense than the defense, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, JLo. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, as bucks nation says, would love to man. Anytime go bucks. That's awesome, brother. We appreciate you interact with us on Twitter, man, as well. We don't bite. Uh, we love to talk bucks ball. You know, a lot of podcasters, a lot of bucks, people get big heads out there. They think they're bigger than they are. And, uh, next thing, you know, uh, they don't talk to people on Twitter. No, no, that ain't us here. We love to interact with people. That's what brings us out best. That's what makes us the best. We're for the fans, by the fans. That's what we do best. We're Bucs fans. You get too many people nowadays, as this is my one big thing in walk-off, will be this rant before we get to Cats. But, you know, you get so many armchair quarterbacks on freaking fucking Twitter nowadays saying, oh, you know, we gotta lose, you know, we'll draft higher, and we'll get a better team if we draft higher. Really? Really? So, when we, mentality. when we drafted Jameis number one overall, we, we, we played that much better. We we ended six and ten the next year. Six and ten the next year. Where did that get us? Where did that get us? You know, when we when we um had a high spot drafting guys in the past, Mark Barron, Vita Vea, Devin White. Where the fuck did that get us? We didn't make the playoffs a year after drafting any of those guys. And all those guys were, you know, top 10 picks. And then people say, oh, you know, the remainder of the rounds, it gets us more and better draft picks. Well, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. It didn't do the 49ers any harm being the last pick of that draft. Tom Brady got drafted in, you know, one of the last rounds of the draft. You you see it time to time. And I get it, uh, you, you know, you got to tank, you got to do this and that. Actually, I don't get it, because I'm a Bucks fan. And we've seen decades long of losing, years long of losing. And matter of fact, we were the worst franchise winning percentage in all four major sports combined before Tom Brady got here. Before Tom Brady got here. So I don't want to say, you know, this is new, you know. We haven't really tried this before. The Bucks have tried the losers mentality for almost two decades straight, from the end of Gruden era to the beginning of Bruce Arians era. We, we tried it your guys' cute little way. We tried it your guys' way of oh maybe next year, oh maybe next year, and, and, and I'll add in one more time oh maybe next year. And where did that get us? Raheem Morris. Greg Shiano, Lovey Smith, Dirk Cutter, I'm sorry. Winning gets you coaching as well. If we bottom out and say we suck this year, say we don't win another game the rest of the year, say we go 4-13, and 13, which won't happen, but just say we do, who the hell is going to want to come and be a head coach here? Who's gonna look at this team and say, "Oh, maybe they got the pieces"? They went four and thirteen. with Mike Evans got? No. Bill Not, Belichick. Okay. Yeah, maybe Belichick, but you know, at the end of the day, bottom line is you can't Mike win. Mike Vrabel. You can't win with them. You ah. can't win. With, no, you know, Mike Vrabel. He, he's going. He's bottoming out with the Titans. So I, I don't even want to hear that guy's name. Right. At, at, at day's end. No one's gonna want. He's a come. good coach, and we have a better scouting department than the Titans. Again, moot points and irrelevant to the decision. To, to what I'm trying to say here, all irrelevant. And I'm tired of losing. I guess Stuna wants to lose if he thinks it'll get him Mike Vrabel. So, Stuna, maybe you want to tank that? Not, and- not
1: at all. Not at all. I'm I'm completely with you, Tones. I remember um, uh, tanking. And we got Vinny Testaverde. We tanked for uh, Bo Jackson. Okay. Uh, I remember tanking. The best philosophy we ever had when we got Rich McKay in here, we started drafting Florida-born kids. That's what we started doing a lot better in the draft when we got Warren Sapp. And... Derek Brooks, and then a couple of years later, we got Warwick Dunn and Rito Anthony in the same draft, and that's what we were doing our best job. So that's what we need to continue on. We got a great GM now. He's done a great job drafting players. We, we had some busts, and we got to move on from these busts, and we got to believe in the process. But tanking ain't the answer. Like you said, it's about the scouting department and going out and finding players. And we've done a better job kind of with the college draft than professional scouting, in my opinion.
0: I agree with you, 100% correct. They're stunning. I love firing you up. You made some really good points there. And let me just say one more thing before we get to Cats is Thanksgiving and one big thing and walk-off. The Bucks for all these fans that want to lose and say this team's despicable, they stink, they suck, if that's the truth, if that's the case, then you wouldn't even need to root for us to lose, right? Then you wouldn't need to root for us to tank because in your minds, we're that bad of a team. Where we'll bring the losses upon ourselves. So why wouldn't you want to try and win? And if that's the truth that unfolds, let it be. But man, let I me want- touch
1: on that real quick before Kaz goes. Uh we're not we don't suck. We're mid. I we're mid. And when I was growing up, we dreamed about being mid. We used to dream and hope and pray that we could get an eight and eight season. And we went five and eleven or six and ten every year. Okay, so the fact that we're mid, real Bucks fans appreciate it. They just don't want to see us losing games. We should be winning.
0: I agree with that. And, you know, that's another thing. The Brady era cha- made a lot of Bucks fans brats, right? Because if things don't go perfectly, if we're not necessarily a Super Bowl contender, quote, unquote, why even bother, according to some of these people, which I don't really get and I don't really understand that mentality. Cats! What say you, brother, uh, one big thing in walk-off towards Thanksgiving or Bucks football in general or anything we've just been talking about the past 10 minutes or so?
3: Yeah. Well, here's the thing on Thanksgiving. Be thankful that you're in the hunt for a playoff spot because there's so many years we've seen it. The tanking is nonsense because how many years was it where it was October? We were already saying, all right, well, let's start looking at prospects for the draft. I'm so I've seen enough of that in my life. So way too much. So yeah, you know, we're a four and six team. It's nothing great. I know. But it's been an interesting year. You're in the again, I'd say in the hunt. You're really in the hunt. You don't need about, you know, seven teams to lose a game lose a couple games and you win out to get in. No, you're in actually actually really control your own destiny, in fact, because you got the tiebreaker if you want to get technical about it. But and like I like Stunner was saying, you know, for years we dreamed of that, and we never got that. So you got to, you know, football season's it's only 17 games long. It was only 16. Now it's 17 games long. It's not like the other three major sports that are play 80, 80 games or 162 games. So you got to cherish that. When you get that opportunity, your team plays but once a week, and you're in that playoff hunt, you cherish that opportunity to get in the tournament. And if you get in, you know, your odds are still going to obviously be stacked against a team like the Bucks anything is possible. You enjoy playoff games when they come because they're, they don't, uh, the average team makes the playoffs 37 and a half percent of the time. I was told, I don't know if that's right. I'll have to check the map, but bottom line is people who want to see the team lose. I really have no, no use for that nonsense. I mean, it's not like you're going to get that. There's a can't miss, you know, maybe there's one this guy in the draft and, you know, those are so few and far between, you know, there's no Peyton Manning out there. So, yeah, be thankful for the Bucks being in the hunt. Uh, a win would be huge this week. would be a great way to cap a good Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully, everyone enjoys it, whether they're with their families or friends, whomever. Hopefully, they enjoy good food. Um, enjoy Black Friday. Enjoy the relaxation if you're off from work like I am. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. Go Bucks,
0: Cats, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, we're all Bucks fans for life. Our whole lives we've been watching this team. and. Every offseason, we all get the itch for Buccaneer football and meaningful Buccaneer football. And right now, whether however you slice the cake, Bucks are playing meaningful football going into Thanksgiving weekend, which is really an interesting thing. And, you know, I'd rather watch a playoff game and get killed that playoff game than start preparing for the draft. I'm sorry. I, I, I'd just rather have a playoff game, watch that playoff game. And then that playoff game itself does wonders for the team between bringing in revenue and putting yourself on the map to other players. Hey, this is a team that's not far away from competing. So I view the cake slicing entirely different than the tankers, than the people who think, ah, this team's not good enough. Whatever. I get what you're saying, but I don't respect what you're saying. And, and I'll argue with anyone about that because, you know, if, if you're really a Bucks fan, You want the team to win. I know you're saying it's so limited, but I'm pretty sure no one in 2010 had the Giants winning the Super Bowl when they got in as the last seed, or I'm pretty sure when Nick Foles was leading the Eagles, no one thought they'd win the Super Bowl. There's been case and case and case where a lot of unpredicted teams, sure, they might not win the Super Bowl, but they might win a game or two and have a hell of a story, like that Baker Mayfield-Browns team when they damn near beat the Chiefs a couple years back. Couldn't pull it off, but hell of a season then for an OK Browns team. You never know what an OK Bucks team could do this year. JLo,
2: no, what I was saying was even if you watch the Bucks when they had Dungey, they made play playoff three straight times. The last two seasons of his, you know, coaching career in Tampa Bay, they were nine and seven. So all it takes is, you know, if you're really about winning in a franchise. You want to win,
0: mm-hmm. no matter
2: who the coach is, whatever. I'm not saying Bowles is a Super Bowl-winning coach, but he has his experience prepared like he did for Kansas City in the Super Bowl in 2020. He prepared that. So I understand, yeah, it's a love-hate relationship with Todd Bowles. You know what I mean? Like Even I have made comments about firing him. But there's still so much football left. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what Dave Canelo's got. They might surprise us, maybe they might go on a run, or maybe they might suck. But at the end of the day, if you're a real Bucks fan, you don't want your team to lose, you want to win the game. Especially if you're a real fan of football for your team, you want to win the game no matter what costs. So you can go and say, Oh, it's tank, whatever. At the end of the day, I'm a real fan. I want to see my team win. Whether it's bulls, cutter, whoever is the head coach. You play to win the game, and if you win, you win. If you lose, then we can look forward to that in the offseason. But right now, we're in prime position to take another division win, host a playoff game. Maybe my surprise, people will win the playoff game. You never know. By the end of the day, if you're a real football fan or a Bucs fan, you don't want your team to lose, no matter who the coach, who's calling the shots. You want your team to win. And if you want to take, By all means, you're not a real fan of me. That's all I got to say about that.
0: Couldn't agree more, brother. I agree with all three of you gentlemen 100%, and that's why I'm thankful for you guys this Thanksgiving because you three and our other co-hosts as well continue to kill it and add nothing but great value for the Bucketeers. Great opinions, thoughts, insight. And so much more. And just a reminder, we will be here Thursday morning live with Joey Nips from the Cleveland Me podcast as he is bringing his Colts brain to the table. He's going to be joining the Bucketeers. That will be 10.05 or 10.15 a.m. Eastern on Thursday. Um, we'll let you guys know how that unfolds. And come join us Thursday. Hang out with us. We're going to be breaking down not only the Bucks colts game, but the four big football games on Thanksgiving Day as well. NFL in college once again Thursday morning 10 05 a.m. Eastern final word time fellas before I gotta you know pay you guys overtime holy shit we're nearing an hour and a half here and this is what's best about the Bucketeers and us three us four talking bucks football it seems like it's been five minutes and here we are at an hour and a half pretty crazy when you get talking the thing you love with the people you love Time just fucking flies and mows on. Cats, we'll start with you. Final word, brother. Thanks again for joining this Tuesday. And uh, great victory Tuesday for the Lightning. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. As always, it's a
3: pleasure. Great great win for the Lightning. Hopefully they can build on that. And hopefully the, uh, the Buccaneers can go ahead and get themselves right back uh, on the winning track this Sunday as well. And again, you know, I'm saying it ahead of time, but again, I wish everybody a happy, healthy, and most importantly, a safe Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, and Katz, we are going to be making um, Christmas and Hanukkah Bucketeer style t-shirts this year. All of us will be, all the co-hosts will get both the Christmas and Hanukkah one, regardless of, you know, what great holiday we celebrate, but... Cats and uh, company, JLo lo Stunna, be on the lookout for a chat later because I'm going to get some um, feedback from you guys on what we should maybe put into those shirts, what color scheme, all that fun stuff. So um, if you're listening around the beginning of Hanukkah, around the beginning of Christmas, we're going to be giving away some great Bucketeers t-shirts and some great fan packs. We got... Um, some great memorabilia to give away, Mike Elstock coins and all that stuff. And really the month of December, the Bucketeers is going to be doing a lot of giving. Let me tell you that between t-shirts, giveaway contest, and so much more, but cats and co, um, Bucks nation says, could I get one for free? They're all going to be for free. Um, they're all going to be given away for free. So just make sure you keep up with our pod. You keep up with us on Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff. And you never know when you might run into a Hanukkah or Christmas-themed Bucketeers t-shirt or uh, mini helmet. Yeah, we got a lot of memorabilia to give out. Yeah, a creeps hat. a hat. Um, Support, the auto- pod.
2: Support the pod. Put us out there for one thing. And we are giving away a lot of things.
0: We got autographed Jameis Winston memorabilia. We got um, original Buccaneers football cards. We got creamsicle hats. Um, We got a whole lot more. So that's my final word is all of that stuff. Um, J-Lo, your final word.
2: Final word, happy
0: Thanksgiving to everybody. I'm thankful
2: for my family and for the family I built through the pod here. Bucketeers, y'all been great to me. I can't complain. And support the pod, bucketeers. We're a real real fan base. So we love our butts through good and bad. At the end of the day, you know, we have an NFL team and go butts.
0: Start a final word, brother.
1: I want to see how many red jerseys are in that stadium this weekend. Who's going to represent? How are the Bucs going to finish? Are the real Buccaneer fans going to step up? Are we going to fire some dang cannons and win some games down the stretch? Go Bucks!
0: How can I forget? I'll be in a pewter jersey on Sunday. I'll be in my Vita Vea pewter because we're wearing pewter, baby. Woo! So look out for red and pewter and orange, I guess, because we got a whole lot of colors Cats, any last little word to close the door, brother? Uh, that's all I got for tonight. You all spoke well for me. <laughs> Love all you guys. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. If I don't talk to you fellas, if not, I'll see you guys Thursday morning, bright and early on the Bucketeers. It's been a beautiful, beautiful Tune Me Up Tuesday with the great JLo, lo with the great A-Cats, with the great um, – Stunner as well. Need some Bucketeer Bucksmith shirts with all your faces. Eye black wearing Santa hats. Cannons firing candy canes in the background. And maybe misses Paws off the bourbon a little bit too or something like that. We'll make sure we get some cool ones. B-U-C-C-A-N
2: E-E-R-S
0: Go Bucks! My go, man. Bucks! Fire go. the damn cannons! Go, Let's fucking go! We're gonna get back on track this holiday season, and you guys are gonna get on track with some great giveaways, with some great T-shirts. Maybe we'll be wearing eye black, drinking bourbon, sleeping like Santa Claus after those milk and cookies on the T-shirts. But nonetheless, on behalf of the great J.Lo, the great son of the great A-Cats, it's been Tampa Tones. Minus Bucko, minus Huncho. They'll be back and better than ever soon. It's been the Buccaneers. Fire the damn cannons. 3 2 1. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield finds Kokey for the unzone. First catch since week one. Bucks win. Bucks win. Bucks win. Bucks beat the Colts. Bucks beat the Colts. We'll see you guys Tuesday. Joey Nips joins us Thursday. Ten o five AM Eastern Time. Same place, same channel as always. Enjoy your couple days, gentlemen. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Go Bucks. Go Bucks, baby. Let's go! Sunday, man. You, I know you're nervous for the Rams, but you got to be a little enthusiastic after being there.
1: Bro, that game atmosphere was ridiculous. The energy the electricity, place was like I played with Rock, and anyone was there. And a lot of the, the uh, Super
0: Buck fans were there too. Meat Buck. And- Tampa Tones. We are joined by Lee Goon tonight, uh, host of the Pat and Aaron Show. Of WDAE, uh, Pat Donovan. Pet Donovan, and it sounds like Stunna is bumbling a little bit. Gonna put him on the a second until that gets a little cleared. But we're joined by it Pat looks Donovan. like
1: Stunna is hanging out with Cheech and Chong in a car with the windows up or something over there. <laughs> it does look like you got a little bit. <laughs> no, my, my, uh, camera's broke.